Hey everyone, it's Jerome Witte. I've got some exciting news. I'm starting a podcast. Yep, it's been a few years. I've been wanting to do this. Finally, making it happen in 2023. We're calling it the Talk of the Town with Jerome Witte, and we'll be going over everything from the real estate market to new restaurants and businesses. So make sure you tune in. It's gonna be very exciting. You're gonna have some great insight into a lot of things, Chicago and other parts of the country. Talk of the Town with Jerome Witte is coming up. Hi everyone, it's Jerome Witte with My Town Realty Group, and I'm with Bill Spallone from Prime Lending. Thanks for coming by, Bill. We're, Thank you, we're here to talk about mortgage rates, lending, all that, and uh, Bill, thanks for coming by. Tell us a little bit about yourself and, and your background and how long you've been doing this. Well, thanks, Jerome. Uh, my name is Bill. I'm with Prime Lending, a uh, mortgage lender based out of Dallas. I've been in the business for over 30 years, uh, seen a lot of different uh, a lot of different markets, a lot of different, uh, a lot of different interest rate trends, and uh, this one seems to be a little bit quirkier than most. Absolutely. So, last year, 2022, from the beginning of the year to the end of the year, rates pretty much doubled, right? More than doubled in some situations. Have you ever seen that before? In no, no. Uh, rates go up, rates go down, but they did it with such speed that it really did jolt the market. Um, you had many people looking to spend X amount of money based on a particular rate and they'd miss out on properties and next thing you know their 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 uh, expectation of a payment went uh, x plus 300 x plus 500 and that affects their buying power affects their confidence and uh, very often puts them back on the sideline now 2021 there was a lot of refinancing 2020 <coughs> 2020 there was a lot of refinancing yep. people who had rates that were in the the fours, the three and a halves, even they found the opportunity to go ahead and refinance their mortgage, right? Yeah. Um, I'm assuming the refinancing isn't happening as, as much as it was at that point, right? No, the, the typical market might have 50-50 uh, uh, purchases versus refinances, and, and really that's gone to 90% purchases and 10% refinances. Some of the refinances that you see now are more debt consolidation because uh, if someone's carrying credit card debt, that's approaching 20%, even more, and uh, lines of credit are approaching 10% as the Fed increases the short-term interest rates. So I had some buyers that I was working with uh, in 2021, especially um, you know, when, when, the, when the market was crazy, and we'd go out looking at properties, we put in an offer, oftentimes it wasn't uncommon, hey, multiple offers, there's 16, there's 18, there's 19. Um, you know, Depending on how strong your offer is, even if you put a good offer in, the, the law of averages, you're not going to necessarily, um, you know, get get it on the first try. Sure. But some buyers, you know, that I was were working with, they said, you know, we're going to take a step back. Mm -hmm. This this is just a little bit too competitive. You know, prices were up, uh, certainly compared to how they were in 2019 in pre pandemic prices. And then last year, you know, we saw rates go up, and so some people who were used to seeing that three percent or three and a half percent rate. We're, we're noticing, well, now my purchase price mm -hmm. is maybe a little bit less because we're at 6%, 6.5%, 7%. Right. And so they decided to, to go back to the sidelines. So now we're in this, this unique time in which, believe it or not, home prices don't seem to have come down as much as some may have expected, uh, primarily because of a supply issue. Mm -hmm. So there's not the the great rate to but there's also not the incredible competition so people have to kind of decide if you're if you're when they're going to get back on that sideline the people that want to buy uh, are different than the people that have to buy and the people that have to buy are still there the people that want to buy they're the ones that seem to have vanished a little bit mm -hmm. they're yeah. not there well the 
the market, I, I anticipate the 2020, 2023, the spring market, I think it's going to still be quite balanced. I think the, the <clears throat> inflation, everything all considered, some people are starting to get used to the fact that, you know, the rates are not in three, we're not going to see 3% again, probably anytime soon. Mm-hmm. And they're used to seeing things in this, you know, rates in the 6%, 7%. Um, so we are down, rates are down compared to the end of last year. Yeah, we you touched on seven and a quarter, sure. So, you know, how much more will they go up or down? I, you know, it seems like the market, certainly the investment market reacted very favorably to the increase. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yes, they increased rates. And again, um, there's one thing, that first they increase rates or decrease rates, but then there's also the comments associated with it. And that's a lot what the, the, the bond traders, the bond traders are the ones that are going to be forward-thinking people that that's where the long-term 30-year fixed rates come from. The 30-year fixed rate does not come from the Fed raising and lower rates. That The, the Fed m- manipulates the rates that affect your home equity lines of credit. They affect anything tied to prime rate, um, credit cards in- included. So um, they're not the same rates, but the comments were such that, hey, you know, um, we just had a really high employment figure and we're gonna, we expect to do this more in the future. And, that kind of uncertainty in the market is difficult for buyers. Mm-hmm. It's difficult for them to, to plan on a lower rate. It, we were trending lower. I don't know how much longer that will continue or if it will at all, but um, it's one of those things that we can't control. You know, mm-hmm. we, we can only think about it so much, but it certainly has affected the, uh, the buyer's confidence, their ability to buy, and, uh, and obviously it's, it's, it's affected the general real estate market altogether, much smaller. Short of you know, major economic, social, political events that drastically can affect the real estate market. Um, you know, painting with a broad brush, the higher the interest rate, generally speaking, assuming, assuming the supply is about the same, rates, the prices should come down a little bit. And if the rates were to go way down again, then prices should go up, right? So, so how do you see, uh, or obviously, we, we know that right now that there's less applications going on compared to this time last year. Mm-hmm. I think um, I, I read somewhere like 30, 37 percent less applications currently when, when, we, when we had quite low rates February yes. of last year. Um, what do you think is that rate that will, will create a frenzy again of home prices going up, multiple offers? Uh, when they lower, they would probably lower slowly, not mm-hmm. all at once. Mm-hmm. I know we can't predict the future, but assuming things stay relatively the same, inventory doesn't go up or down too much, what what point do you see things going, taking off again at what rate? Well, there's two things to think about that. Uh, the rate that I would say what would make people do that, but the second thing is rates pop up and trickle down generally. So for the rates to go to, let's just say from six and six and a quarter to, to 4.75 or five, that's a pretty good jump. And it'd be nice to say that it happens right away, but um, this isn't March of 2020. You know, you're going to take, you'll need some huge event to get you to that real rapid decline in rates. Um, if it takes a little while, well, you're going to have that much more pent up demand. You're going to have um, uh, more and more people getting off the sidelines. So I think if you can get to that 5%, as I mentioned, and if it's done, I think if it's done gradually, that's better than if it's, you know, right away. And uh, not that I can control that or anybody, but that would be my hope. But again, you know, what if they go to 7%? You know, a buyer has to think about that too. It's really easy to say, hey, wait till they go down, wait till they go down. Wait till the, pro- wait till the values go down too. What if they don't? 
what if right now actually is as good as you're going to get? I'm not saying it sure. is, but we always have to look at both sides of things, um, and, and buyers should too. Yeah, seeing how much other things have gone up. Yep. Carton yep. of eggs. But you know, gas. but in, in, on the mortgage end of things, um, y you can lock in at something now, and if rates go down, you can refinance. If you lock in something now and rates go up, you're locked in. Mm -hmm. So the, the, from the mortgage standpoint, you know, you've got a little option there. But you know, when it comes to values and home prices, no, you either buy now or you don't. And maybe it's a good move, maybe it wasn't. So those are, those are two different factors there. Now let's talk about some types <clears throat> of loans that are obviously prevalent in a, a, an area like Chicago. There's a lot of different types of homes. There's single family homes, there's condos, there's townhomes. There's also multi-unit, mm -hmm. obviously higher than six units. But the four to six unit multifamily, um, I think that that category of real estate is a, you know, the, the pricing, even with the higher rates, it still seems like it's a really opp good opportunity financially for the, if you get the right purchase and, and everything else. Um, I don't know, are you seeing what I'm seeing in terms of the, there's not as many of those um, there's not as many listings because yeah. people are not wanting to turn those in. But if and when they do come available, what a great option for someone who's thinking about affordability and how can I live in an area that I want to live in but have a, a lower net payment, if that makes sense. Yeah, well, ultimately, the first fork in the road is do you want to live in a single unit, single family, or do you want to live in a, in a property where you your neighbor is upstairs or downstairs? Um, some people simply don't want that. I don't want to hear people upstairs. And if that's the case, then buy your single family residence. But then what you just mentioned, if you want to uh, uh, enhance the affordability of an area that you normally couldn't qualify for, well, yeah, there's a nice three or four unit building and that, that your tenants are going to pay your, your rent for, or your, your mortgage for you. Um, another thing about that that's pretty important is as the real estate taxes go up, that the landlord can pass that along. Mm -hmm. And they do pass it along in the form of rent. And um, as well as water bill as well, all that. All that yep. So those are things that when someone lives in a, in a multi-unit building uh, and they own it, yes, you're a landlord. Yes, you're going to get knocks on your doors and, and, and you're going to have to manage it. You, unmistakably, you're a landlord. But you get compensated for that. And you get compensated because you're living in a zip code you normally wouldn't be able to unless you rented. Um, you get compensated maybe in higher values over a, a, a longer period of time. Um, there are tax benefits of it too. So it's again, it's a, it's a lifestyle, I'll admit, but um, it certainly can be lucrative over time. Absolutely, and again, that that's we're not seeing a lot of those hit the market right now, no. um, but those that do, I'm always looking, because I've got a couple people that are also in that, they're looking at that uh, investment property. So speaking of, what kind of down payments would you need for a per, for a two to four unit, and and whether it's you know obviously owner occupied, mm -hmm. some people may not be as familiar with just the requirements for down payment. Typically, when you buy a multi-unit building, you're going to need more money than you would a single-family residence. A single-family residence, you could put three percent down, and um, whereas a multi-unit, you, you need more. Now, there's two types of loans. There's a conventional mortgage, or there's the the, the uh, government mortgage, or an FHA loan. An FHA loan will allow you to purchase a multi-unit building with anywhere from 3 to 5% down. It's very good. Now, the downside is an FHA appraisal is far more scrutinizing than a, than a, a conventional appraisal. Um, I had somebody tell me recently uh, on their multi-unit listing, this is not an FHA building. 
obviously there's some repairs that are going to need to be made. Maybe there's some um, peeling paint. So that's something that has to be weighed right away. If you're going to look at multi-unit buildings on an FHA standpoint, you're going to limit your they choices. Need, they need to be they need to be pretty, in good, pretty condition, good condition, really yeah. good condition. Um, now, if you go on a conventional side, you can a two unit you can put less down than a three or a four. Three or fours require more down, sometimes the twenty five percent. So that that does depend on, on which way you go. But if you can get an FHA, you can put less down. What about a, what about um, a conventional two unit? Conventional two unit, two unit you can put uh, I believe it's fifteen percent down. Okay, so you so put, that's the the thought is whether you're if you're obviously buying it as an investment as a second property then it's twenty five percent right yes yes um, that's that's where I think people don't quite understand the, the the possible benefits of you know having that that mortgage payment help from the other tenant mm -hmm. um, and they they are thinking condos which is great too you know condos are uh, there's a lot of great condos out there. Um, what about the, the the refinancing? So let's say someone buys a home now, they, they feel like the time is right based on they're ready, they see something they like, and the rate is not the greatest, maybe they're, it's not bad, but what, at what point do they refinance? Is it, is, it a, is it once rates go down a half a point, a full point? I know it kind of varies, mm -hmm. but what is the, the general rule? Uh, the general rule I use, it, it, it depends on the size of the loan and the amount of the interest rate reduction. Mm -hmm. um, a $100,000 loan going down a, a point doesn't save you nearly as much as a half a million dollar loan that goes down a point. So yet the cost to originate that loan is virtually the same. Virtually the same. So yeah. um, the, 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 it's always going to be a cost benefit analysis. How much does this cost me to refinance? What is my benefit? Am I going to save $200 a month? Am I going to save 60 bucks a month? Um, so that's that's on a case by case basis. One thing I always want to tell people about refinancing, though, is try not to lose sight of the fact that you started on a thirty year basis, and you really don't want to keep doing it to make it a sixty or ninety year basis. So um, reduction. I mean, I'm in the business of lending money, but I I love it when people pay it down. Mm -hmm. I think if you can get to a, a very low mortgage level or no mortgage, I think that's the goal. Um, and a lower interest rate will help you get there. It's great when you look five, six, seven years down the road and you mm -hmm. look at your, your payment schedule and you see how every payment more and more is going towards that principal um, and like you said, paying that down and, and having <clears> an option. But there are options sometimes where people need the cash yep. and what are some options for homeowners that are currently in that situation where maybe maybe they need the cash, they need to take some of the equity from their home to use for other things? Well, uh, if they're going to, you mean on a refinance? Refinance or a HELOC or cash out. Okay. With the, um, if you decide to refinance on a cash out basis, it's not the same interest rate as when you purchase a home. Mm -hmm. Mortgage rates are, are priced uh, based on purchase or refinance, refinance cash out or refinance no cash out. And so right away we have to, you know, analyze, do we want to get rid of your lower rate now to pay off this high interest debt? to get a new higher interest rate on your mortgage, or would a line of credit be better? Again, that's a case-by-case -case basis, and I'm, I'm gonna tell anybody to look at the line of credit right away, again, depending on what mortgage they have. If you're sitting on a 5% mortgage, well, that's not necessarily the case. If you're sitting on a 25 or three, I'm not gonna, that's gonna be hard to get rid of that, mm -hmm. I have to admit. Um, I'm a big fan of the lines of credit, even for people that don't need them right now. Very often when the market tanks, when someone loses their job or they got poor credit, they say, boy, I wish I could get a line of credit. It's too late. 
if you right now if, if you've, you've got the equity your credit score is good and you've got a job get a line of credit even if you never use it it's there it's there and one of the uses one of the, a great use for it is when you eventually do decide to move and you want to buy a new place well often people need to give twenty five thousand dollars of earnest money on the new place and many people have that laying in their top drawer and that's great but other people don't and that's where you can write a check against your line of credit and you say here's my earnest money I'm gonna pay that off when I sell my home, any, home anyway so uh, I always lead with the line of credit but I will do a cost-benefit analysis on both of them. Do you see any situations where a bridge loan can be used for that for that same or similar situation someone's looking to buy a home but their money's <clears throat> here in yeah a bridge loan has its place but generally it's the last resort it's a, it tends to be a last resort people usually access a line of credit or they they might even borrow against their 401k they might even ask a family member for, for help with that earnest money because a bridge loan it is costly it's not cheap um, relative to a line of credit and um, it is another step in the process that you know a, a bridge loans happening while you're also getting mortgage approval for your new home so it's it's a hectic time to do it it's there they're they're in the marketplace but uh, I don't see a whole lot of them I have to admit we've seen a lot of changes since 2019 I I admit when the pandemic was four years ago now yeah starting in 20 2020 uh, I, I I was not sure what was gonna happen I was That's wondering yeah wondering if we were gonna have um, prices just come crashing down uh -huh. right because of the the stay at home and the lockdown and everything was kind of up in the air yeah and we saw kind of the opposite we saw home prices go way up people ass assessed their home situation more than maybe they would have uh, when they're commuting to work and mm -hmm. home never became more uh, maybe important for many people oh, yeah. um, we're we're now seeing that some you know that, that there's the demand is not really changing it seems like there's still this this push this trend to really spend money on their home making it you know flexible the, the we we get a number of people who are telling us they want to work from home they need to work from home and mm. they need to have that as as a as a consideration when they're buying um, did you see that happening i guess and, and at what point do you uh, feel that it's it's permanent or here to stay as far as like the people needing to find everything uh, you know for their home to be their their home office maybe their gym everything else I think we peaked in that regard um, I do remember in February and March of 2020 it was a relatively normal uh, spring market at the time people were out looking and then it immediately stopped mm -hmm. contracts broken yeah walking away from things but it stopped for probably 30 days maybe 30 days tops and um, and then everything started to go back on the market and buyers were out there the rates plummeted mm -hmm. rates went down quickly so the affordability was much greater so now you got the values went up the rates went down and there was tons of activity uh, both on the refinance and purchase side for the next 18 months especially for single-family homes yep you know places away from city centers right uh, yeah look at Salida Colorado I always bring that one up you know people never would have thought but those are types of places that um, became very popular if you, you could work from home maybe go get as much space as you can get right or go, live in, go live in a vacation kind of community you're, you're gonna you're gonna log in two miles from work because you can't go in or you're gonna log in 200 miles from work because you don't want to go in so it, uh, it certainly did shake up the way people do things 
I don't know how much of that is here to stay. Um, I, I think that there's a lot of ebbs and flows with, with markets, and that's a good example. One thing it did for both 2020 and 2021, and to an extent 2022, is it, I, I, it definitely changed, the, the at least in Chicago, the seasonality. A lot of the properties would hit the market early spring, late winter, close in mid-spring. And what we saw was there were a number of closings that were later. So like everything was about month, month and a half behind. So a lot of the activity kind of got stretched out more so from a, from a calendar perspective. It wasn't as much, you know, March through October. It was stretched out a little bit. So it does make me wonder, uh, since that has been the trend for the last few years, are we gonna see that again this year? Uh, where people are gonna wait till April or May to list, whereas before they wanted to get it out there well, February, March. The, the, the traditional, like you said, April and May, um, traditionally June 30th is one of the biggest closing days of the year. And that's got everything to do with children in schools. Mm-hmm. And we gotta be in the new school district or we gotta be you know, here and there. So I, I think that's not going anywhere. That's always gonna be a part of it. But it's the peripheral purchases that they aren't tied to that timeline. You know, those are the ones I think we're going to see more and more stretch those, you know, prior to and, and after uh, uh, and, and into the fall. I think that's what really what happens. Now, I know you don't have a crystal ball, but you're you're hearing things. You you see, you know, data. What do you think is going to happen rate wise? Again, not going to hold you to it. It's just <laughs> a guess. Or do you want to go there as far as in the next few weeks or months? Well, and that's a. You're, you framed it correctly because rates over just a, a short period of time is one thing, but rates over a long period of time could be completely different. And uh, I'd love to tell you where they're going. I don't know. Um, it's, it falls in that category of uh, worry about what you can control. Um, I can give you a bunch of reasons why they're going to go up. I can give you a bunch of reasons why they're going to go down. And they're really not if worth we could a whole figure, lot. If we could if figure that out, that would be, be something, here. wouldn't it? I wouldn't be here. So it's just uh, more and more it's, you know, it's... Worry about what you can control, and uh, of course you want to buy low. Of, of course you want to lock in low. But you know, on the mortgage side of things, you have the benefit of refinancing out of something that's too high. Um, and and I guess that's the best way I could put it. Some people get real hung up on on the, the rate and everything. It's it's important, but it's not. Make sure you could afford the property, right? Yeah, so make sure you like the area. Mm-hmm. Make sure you can grow with the area. Make sure you can be here the five or 10 years or maybe 20 years that you want to be there, that's far more important than an eighth of a point. Absolutely. Like you said, the, the ability to refinance, I know there have been some clients of mine, mutual clients of ours, where they were able to refinance and and, and not even but a year or two after purchase yeah. and eliminate <laughs> some, some, some things like PMI. So um, it's always yeah. a good thing to think about is if you could afford it and, and you think it's the right time, maybe don't be too hesitant just because the rates are not what they were. The thing that, when we talk about rates though, I'm always focused on the renter versus the owner. Because if, if we're in inflationary time, and we are clearly, your energy costs have gone up, your um, grocery store costs have gone up, many, thing, many things have gone up in price, even housing has gone up, your rent is going up. But if you locked at 3%, that's not going up. And that separates you, you from the individual whose housing cost is going up with everything else. So it'd be good to, to get that 3%, but you know, if you get five and a half now and it's 9% later, that, that's not the worst thing either. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those, it's all relativity and we can't control it. I can't predict it. <laughs> I'm not gonna try. Okay, as far as second homes, I know 
there might be some people that are listening that have maybe they already have a home they're not interested in refinancing they don't even necessarily want to move but maybe they're thinking about a second home maybe they're thinking hey we spent a lot of time in this vacation town maybe we're, we're going to buy something at some point uh, i have seen you know that seems to be a category where prices have come down a little bit um you know the the, the vacation rentals if you will uh, many people in the pandemic bought they, and they try to turn it into a business whether it be like airbnb, airbnb right. but um there are some some prices have come down from what i've seen can you talk a little bit about financing a second home or a vacation home those are two different things well i guess second home versus a, an investment property um and and what what people would need in order to do that well i'm going to look at it from a second home standpoint um that's a particular market that's usually the like the canary in the coal mine if, if that's if that market is really strong, you've got a strong economy. If that market is pulling back, the economy is, is slowing down. I th really think that's a very good harbinger, or a good indicator of, of what you can expect in the economy. Um, as far as financing a second home, you only, it's, it's largely done similar to an owner-occupied property from a down payment standpoint. You could put 5% down, you could put 10% down. However, in the last couple of years, the costs, uh, the interest rates associated with investment properties and second homes has gone up. It used to be you could get your 3% 30-year fixed on a um, owner-occupied residence and get the same rate on uh, a second home. Uh, that's not the case anymore. Uh, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac have applied premiums to that and it's more expensive. They actually come down from their high, but um, it's not quite a one-to-one -one like it used to be. But you don't need a great, great deal of down payment to, uh, to accommodate that. And then you just have to be able to afford both mortgages mm -hmm. like it would be one essentially that's how they do the underwriting as far as the numbers and yes and so forth um yeah i heard last year uh, about 26 percent of all single family homes in the u.s were purchased by investors which i found to be fascinating um in, often institutional investors though too yeah so we're not we're not talking just uh um you know multi-units and, and and you know commercial mixed use the single family home so a lot of these you know, rate increases on the second mm -hmm. home and, and the vacation home might be trying to also curb some of that. I, I don't know. Or is it more so just an opportunity? How much of that is coming from, you know, maybe pressures from, uh, or is it just the natural market that's dictating that? I, well, I, I, interestingly, I met a guy, a young guy, um, who he told me he was going to a conference in Miami for institutional investor purchasing of single family residences. And he was talking about, it. I said, why don't they just, they're, they're gonna rent these out? He said, yeah, they're gonna rent them out. I'm like, why don't they buy a 20-unit building? Why don't they buy a 50-unit building? And he said, no, 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 we already have that. We already do that. But this is another aspect of our portfolio, and it's a single-family residence um, rental. And I said, why would you do that? He said, right away, he said, there's three million f homes uh, short of what the country needs, what the population needs for housing. So when you, when you have that shortage of housing, they expected um, in other words, that was an aspect where they expected their values to go up, their, their, their investment to go up. So uh, I thought that was an interesting take on things that, you know, the institutional investors were looking at this and willing to allocate great resources. Hedging against, yeah, they think the values are going to go up. They so. really thought so. And, and whether they thought so on a six-month or six-year basis, I'm not really sure. But I, I just read recently that some of those... Um, some of those organizations are left with an awful lot of properties and going nowhere. So it's just a snapshot right now, but I think that affected the market greatly in the last three years. Mm -hmm, for sure. 
Well, Bill, again, thanks for coming by. Bill Spallone, Prime Lending. Look him up for any questions you have. We're going to Thanks. <laughs>